like to talk and read all things books and mystery. Funny stories. The characters of youth always tend to be a sleuth. The Hardy Boys will do. Don't forget Nancy Drew. It's a clue. Hello, sleuths. I'm Karen. And I'm Kelly. Welcome to It's a Clue, a faux crime comedy podcast for town gossips and tea enthusiasts. Oh, that's us. <laughs> that is us. We are in our tea era. Today, we are discussing Nancy Drew and the Moonstone Castle mystery. And Karen, I do have a thought for you to ponder. I know that's unusual and out of the ordinary. Yup. Okay, here it is. What is the strangest thing you've ever received in the mail? And please describe it in substantial detail. Mm, I, I know my answer. Oh. This one time, Kelly, a box showed up on my porch and it was sealed. And in, in it were contained two odd sculptures. Like someone had, like pottery sculptures, like so, clearly something someone had made. There was a shipping label on the box. And I was, I was like, okay. But the shipping label said it was from like Old Navy or something. And I'm like, this didn't come from Old Navy. I have no idea. So anyway, I was like, return to sender, blah, 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 blah. It turned out. You didn't out, even open it? No, I did open it because I saw that the sculptures were in there. I accidentally, oh, oh, okay. yeah, I accidentally opened it because I just assumed it was for me. I'm like, oh, I got a present. Yeah. And then it turned out it was from a person who used to live in the same building as me. I had gotten her mail before and she contacted me and she's like, why did you send me this box with these weird sculptures? And I said, I don't know. It showed up to my house. I assumed they were yours. They had this like old Navy label. I, I was like, I don't know. It had your name on it. And she's like, this is not mine. Um, it, it And this was a mystery for like a month. And it turned out that she remembered, oh, the woman who lived across the street had a husband who was a sculptor and I think these are his. I like, I recognize the style of art. I think the the woman had found a box like in the dumpster <laughs> and packaged them up in this thing. Oh. And then set them outside. Someone found it, thought they belonged to me because oh. of the address on it. And then I shipped it to Megan. And it was just like a very strange. That's so weird. A very strange thing. But it was its own little mystery. And these. It these, was. You both did some sleuthing. These sculptures were very odd. And it was just a very thing to be like, oh, what did I get from UPS today? And it was like a sculpture of a Ouroboros. <laughs> <laughs> weird like i don't think i ordered that <laughs> um okay uh, yeah what is your answer <laughs> um i don't i don't really have a like i don't have a good one like that i just i i'm still receiving packages from my the previous owner of this home's girlfriend for her, for his girlfriend and you've lived there for a long time <laughs> yes yes i Four years I've lived here, and I'm still like, hey, man, <laughs> you want to come get your stuff? <laughs> like, you uh, also he moved locally so he can come back. But I'm like, guys, update your accounts, y'all. I'll give you two years, but four is pushing it. So fix your stuff. But you got a weird piece of mail recently, though, that was like trying to encourage voting oh, turnout. I did. I'm like, Karen, thank you. I'm. I would love to know if this is a thing that happens like everywhere now or I, it's just the first time ever, I've ever gotten it. So 
We I had coming never up to, seen this. Yeah, we were coming up to, you know, November elections. And we had a big election here in Kentucky. And I get this thing in the mail, like, and I got a second one. They sent it twice. So I get this thing in the mail in the lead up to November that is like, I think it called it a, a report card, like a voting report card for my neighborhood. Oh, my God. And it, it, like, no, to be fair, it didn't call out names or addresses, but only because it was redacted. So they sent this redacted list of the voting turnout for my block. And, like, and then it shows you unredacted and, like, how often you voted over the past four or five years. You know, which elections you voted or not voted in. And I was like, okay. Like, this is the most shame-based method of encouraging people to vote that I've ever seen. But what I was happy to see was that not only had I voted in every election, but so had all of my neighbors. Like, oh, they had all voted. Oh, wonderful was like, output. Yeah, it was so bizarre. I was like, this this feels, like, pretty judgy. I got to be honest. <laughs> like You texted me that, and I was like, oh, my, oh my goodness. Yeah, it was crazy. It. So, I mean, hey, get out the vote however you got to, I guess. But for sure. Yeah, it was interesting. Sure. I mean, and it was like official. Like it was, I mean, obviously this was like from like the official record because nobody else would have access to who had actually shown up and cast a ballot, whether yeah. or not you were, you know, registered. So very interesting. I've never seen that. I would love to know if that happens other places. So Elsewhere. let us know. <laughs> Okay, well, I would like to do some daily announcements, if that's all right. Fire up the PA, sis. The PA is on. Good morning, class. I would be honored to welcome our newest Patreon. Woohoo! Her name's Laura McGuire. Laura McGuire! We love you. Thank you so much for joining the Helen Cornings and listening to Thank our you. podcast. <laughs> Yay! Welcome! And a warm welcome back and huge bouquet of virtual balloons to Calvin and Melissa, who we love so much. Yay! <laughs> Huzzah! Um, my final daily announcement, just as a quick reminder, we're, we're towards the end of the year. We're like in the shoot we to are. the holidays. And so... We are. Things it's almost are- Thanksgiving. <gasps> Things are going to look a little different around here. Mm. So November 30th, which will be our next episode, we'll be doing a super sleuth. And we are going to do the first Hardy Boys book, which is called The Tower Treasure. Yep. And also two points on that really fast. Um, It's available as a Kindle edition, but there are also a couple of audiobooks available for this. Mm. So unlike, mm. I have not found any Nancy audiobooks, but this, at least this one Hardy Boys book does have an audiobook version, if you're interested. I love that. Thank you for saying that. Huge. You are welcome. Audio person. Okay, so we're going to do Hardy Boys number one. Then December 14th, we will do our second sloop, slooper sleuth. Slooper sleuth. Of the year. Uh, the Babysitter's Club Haunted House. Yep. Which Super jazzed for this one. You're stoked for. Then we will take a brief Christmas break because Kelly and I are retired. But on January 11th, we will be back and better than ever. And it'll be Nancy Drew O'Clock again. Yay! Um, also, that Babysitter's Club book is, is available on a Kindle version as well. Great. Because that, that's like out of print and can be a little hard to find. So um, there is a, a Kindle version. And like, even if you don't have a Kindle, you can still buy a Kindle book and read it on your computer 
Yeah, and probably get it from your library too. Um, from the yes. Lib- the Libby app, you can probably get the since it's an ebook, as you're saying, you can. Yep. Request it from your bibliotheque. They also, I mean, obviously, like if you have a half price books or something near you, they tend to have tons of Babysitters Club books if you find find them at the right point of the year. So, yeah, some options. I love it. Well, that concludes my daily announcements. And with that, I would like to know, Kelly, what you have been up to. Um, I, I'm going to keep this very brief, but the highlight since we last talked is I came to see you in Michigan. That was my highlight, was so too. Fun. Yeah, I had so much fun. It was such a blast. Like, yeah, I mean, we did all the things, you guys. Like, we ate the food. We did the activities. We shopped. We went to, like, every bookstore in a 30-mile radius. Um, Kelly's poor suitcase weighed, like, a 1,000 pounds when she left because we were like, we should get every, every book at Book Suite and Literati. <laughs> and, and we did. We did. Proud of us. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. So, yeah, that's probably going to just need to be, like, an annual excursion. Sold. And the other point of interest I have is probably not interesting because it's a request. So I am in search of, for all of you out there, this I'm just utilizing our podcast to crowdsource a recipe right now. That's all. Um, <laughs> I, I need a cookie recipe for a turtle cookie. What's that? Thank you for asking. It is a so like you know what a turtle is, like the candy. Yeah. Not like not like the is it an amphibian? The so a turtle candy is like that little clustery dude, right? Yeah. It's like chocolate caramel and I think pecans. And it kind of looks like a little It can blob. be made to look like the amphib if desired. I see. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Comma at one point, I had a grocery store in South Carolina called Bilo, and Bilo had a bakery in it. And the bakery at the Bilo made the world's best turtle cookies that were only sometimes available. Like, if you played your cards right, you might get them, and they were delicious. Well, now I no longer live in Bilo territory, and I am longing for my turtle cookies, and I just can't find one that, like, that like looks right. So... I'm I decided that rather than like take a shot in the dark with a random internet recipe that I would ask our listeners if you have a turtle cookie recipe please DM me that I think includes you, my updates I think you've come to the right place I feel confident I think so too we have a lot mm-hmm. of epic people in the Nancy Drew universe and we do I think you're gonna find it I think aren't you supposed to like TM Jake that the Jake, Jake. Oh, we haven't <laughs> called out Jake in a minute. We hope this makes you smile, Jake. Oh, Jake. Our, our number one <laughs> listener. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's all. What what about you? I know you've been like very busy and on the go the last several weeks. Yeah, so I just got back from Austin, Texas from the Texas Book Festival, which holy moly. I had well, so that much sounds fun. Sounds like the best thing ever. This is a free event. Um and what? All of downtown Austin just turns into book lovers galore. And you just wander around and go into tents and talk to authors and get books and hear talks by authors. And it was it was just absolutely lovely. Um, I got to go to three new bookstores while I was there. We went to First Light Books. We went to Black Pearl Books. And we went to Alienated Majesty Books, which Alienated Majesty is like if my brain turned into a bookstore – it was the first table I saw was a whole table curated by the booksellers dedicated to poetry and translation. And I was like, 
I'm going to need several hours alone in here. <laughs> um, just lots of like off the beaten path kind of books uh, and stunning inside. Um, awesome. Loved it. Um, I'm I'm low key jealous. I'm not going to lie, but I'm really happy for you. Well, yeah. let's go. Let's <laughs> okay. go. Um, I did a lot of podcasting with Craig, who has mm-hmm. been on this podcast as well before. Yes. We did several several recordings of the Libro FM podcast, which was very scary for me because some of these people were kind of a big deal. Um, but I didn't pass out or cry, and of course we you got didn't. through it. You're a and professional. I. <laughs> You, am I though? Yeah, um, like yes. <laughs> and then my last note that I will say about the Austin trip is that I ate the best breakfast taco of my life. Mm, um, my say more words. My boss got breakfast tacos for everyone because we were working that morning. It, I think it was from Taco Deli is the name of the place. Mm. And honestly, it was the best thing I've eaten in a long time it's possible okay, I well, just... ex- explain why like what describe the innards like very fresh ingredients we had like a really nice kind of almost refried bean situation but it was like mm. bl- but it was like black beans mm. um Ooh. there was some egg there was some bacon a little fromage and just overall the <laughs> consistency in my hand and as I was consuming it was great um I will say that he handed this to me <laughs> about six minutes before Stacey Abrams walked into the room for me to interview her because I hadn't eaten all day and he was like I got you breakfast and so I was just trying to eat it as fast as possible so that I wasn't eating a taco when Stacey Abrams walked into the room. I feel like Stacey Abrams is the perfect person to eat a taco in front of though. Like she wouldn't care. <laughs> she absolutely now that I have met her you're 100% correct. She I'm would have glad been, to like, hear that my respect taco adjacency assumption about Stacey Abrams is correct. She was the kindest, funniest, coolest person ever and just Oh, that's so cool. And just as smart as we all know that she she just like blew my mind, but I, for some reason I was like I don't want to be eating a breakfast taco. I mean, I understand. I will say that like mainlining a bunch of refried black beans right before you go into a Stacey Abrams interview is probably the bravest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> It was only 30 minutes, so I was okay. Okay. <laughs> Percolation time is longer than that. I get it. Oh, my mm. God. Oh, and yeah, so that concludes my updates. <laughs> what, what's our next segment? Recommendation station. Woo-hoo. Okay, I have a recommendation. I know you would. Kind kind of. So November is Native American Heritage Month in the United States. And if you are looking for titles to read in celebration of this month, uh, we have a great playlist at LibroFM that you can check Mm. out. Um, We can share the link for that. Um, I went to, with you, my sister, Mm -hmm. my favorite local bookstore, Book Suite. And Truly, who is the owner of the store, greeted us as we walked in. And we were, you know there to shop and she she hand sold me this book called bad cree um i haven't started it yet i'm gonna start it tonight but i've never had a bookseller seem more excited about a book um here is a brief synopsis of this or, or a brief teaser in this gripping horror lace debut a young cree woman's dreams lead her on a perilous journey of self-discovery that ultimately forces her to confront the toll of a legacy of violence on her family her community and the land they call home 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, I'll need to hear all about that. Supposed to be amazing. Cannot wait to start it. Um, she said, truly specifically said, um, this is a great book to read if you're like, no, I'm not a horror person, but I am horror adjacent. Um, mm-hmm. Looking so. for something a little mysterious this month or whatever. So Yeah. yeah well, yeah. and truly is clearly a good recommender. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I think truly has read every book in the entire bookstore. Like, she is the most well-read person you, you can tell her any genre and eight levels deep the subgenre of that genre and she'll like she'll be like I have the book for you <laughs> yeah oh I love that um what do you have to recommend Seaster uh so I can't say this is a full recommendation yet because I'm about a third of the way into it but I am currently reading Silver Nitrate uh which is Sylvia Moreno Garcia's new book yes. um so far loving it and I loved uh mexican gothic which is the only other one of hers i've read although she's written a bunch more books than that so um i would say we're on track for success so love it you got that here right Mm, no i got it from the library jk (laughs) yeah i like to support my little my library that is a really good thing to do applause and applause um so karen shall we skip into some nancy drew stuff Let's hop, skip, and jump into some Nancy Drew stuff, Kelly. Let's shout. So um, do you have any introductory material to share with the class? Sure do. Sure You do. never let us down. Kelly, this is book number 40, four mm-hmm. zero in the Nancy Drew series. Wow. It was original- I'd ask you if you could believe that, but the last time I did that, you were like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> My answer remains the same. Remains the same. <laughs> This book was originally written in 1963. This one did have edits. So 40 years ago. It was edited in 1991. 40 years ago. LOL. Love that. Love that journey for us. Mm -hmm. It was edited in 1991, which I Mm -hmm. I feel like I can sense in this book. It had kind of, there were some things that. You know what? That actually does make a lot of sense. Yeah. It tracks. Yeah. Okay. All right. There were some things that could have gone much more awry in terms of language we use in this book, and I think it showed that it had mm-hmm, been edited, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. Um, so, Kelly, in this book we have a castle, mm-hmm. and I would say it's a a random United States castle. Yes. I am obsessed. You know, like we have around here. I'm obsessed. All of our medieval United States castles. I love this because <laughs> you and I grew up in a town with a random United States castle. We did. We absolutely did. Do you want to talk about the castle? <laughs> uh, so, so we're from this little town in Ohio, Loveland, Ohio, and there is the Loveland Castle. So... I would say if you're interested, uh, there's nothing I can do to describe it that will do it justice. But I, I, I believe I'm saying this correctly. Correct me if I'm wrong. But this was built like basically single handedly and then with the help of, I think, Boy Scouts or something as, um, you know, support labor yeah. um, by by one guy. And he like mixed his own concrete. And molded the bricks by pouring this concrete into, like, milk cartons. That's correct. 
and built this whole castle. You can go in it. You can stay in it. Um, there's a dungeon in it. There's a bedroom. There's a, there's two. It's well, technically it's three stories with, with the dungeon basement. It's big. Um, it is big. It's very big. Um, so yeah, that it's- was like a whole thing growing up here was the Loveland Castle and I mean we've been to a wedding at it and and as adults and yeah god I love it I love that castle the lore around too. it too is that this guy built it to impress a woman mm. who I, I listen I'm being hyperbolic here I'm I'm adding flair potentially but <laughs> the way I remember this story is that this guy wanted to marry this woman in the days of yore and she said only if you build me my castle like the castle of my dreams and so he spent like two decades building a literal castle and i would say he did a good job the girl i I don't know but the castle is dope (laughs) (laughs) the castle stands the test of time even if the relationship didn't so so i found what i believe is the oldest U.S. castle. It's called Bowman's Castle. It's somewhere in Pennsylvania. It was built around a trading post in the late 1790s. And as they built this castle around it, they kept the trading post on the bottom floor, which I think is kind of fun. And then they lived above it with their kids in the early 1800s. That's fun. So kind of like that dream of like, I'll have a bookstore, but then I'll sleep over top of it. (laughs) (laughs) But make it a castle. But make it a castle. (laughs) And the pictures of it are very odd. Um, it's owned by the National Historical Society now, so you can really easily look it up. Um, but it, it's it's pretty weird looking because the generations of this family kept adding on to it. And then in Victorian times, they wanted to make it look for, more Victorian. So it kind of looks like this Victorian castle house that has turrets. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's made me think. Now I'm going to have to do some research. For some reason, this never occurred to me, but... You know how I talked about like a long time ago that I had been when I was on tour, we stayed at like this hotel decorated like a castle. Yes. Like I honestly and maybe it was I still haven't been able to figure out where that was. I thought it was just like a Radisson that had that somebody had bought and was like, (laughs) let's make this Radisson look like a castle, you know, Um, maybe it was actually a castle that got turned into a Radisson. I think that that could be a thing. I'm going to have to like, I'm going to have to do some, some different investigating. Maybe I've been looking at this the whole wrong way. You've been reverse Googling. I've <laughs> been Googling the wrong way in the wrong order. <laughs> hotels that look like castles, not castles that look like hotels. Oh, this is going to keep Crazy. me up at night. Please solve this mystery. You are the sleuth of the day. I will make it my full time. Nope. I can't promise that. <laughs> Okay. I'll look into it. Castles aside for one moment. Well, nope. Nope, they're not. They're coming back. It is time for the one-sentence plot competition. Kelly, Mm. will you please take it away? Would love to. So one-sentence plot contest happens on our Instagram page. Check it out if you haven't already. And we ask our listeners to check out the upcoming cover of the upcoming book and guess what is happening in that book based on the plot in you guessed it, one sentence. So to describe the cover of this book, a structurally unsound castle looms in front of a yellow sky as Nancy, Bess, and George, all in full action figure poses, peer at it from behind some trees. 
That is accurate. Can confirm Opt- that that okay. is what is happening on the cover. What is happening? So our winner this week is our actual pal, Lily Sparks. She is an author. She wrote the Teen Killers series, which I have just finished and <gasps> love. Like, honestly, I think they just keep getting better. Love the whole series. Um, but Lily said, a medieval-themed water park refuses to maintain its filtration system until Nancy and her coven of OSHA, OSHA enthusiasts decide to do the talking with their fists. <laughs> I love it. I I love that Nancy, Bess, and George are from OSHA, and they're like, something is just not gonna like going right here. We have some concerns. Absolutely deserving of the gold medal this week. Agreed. We love. Do you, you want to? Um, did you select a runner-up? I did. I chose the the submission from at Honey and Hot Tea. Who? Love P.S. It. I love your Instagram handle so much, Honey and Hot Tea. Mm. Now I want some. Honey and Hot Tea writes, At Golden Hour, which is apparently after curfew, Nancy, Bess, and George are shocked to find that they are getting locked out of the castle. Semicolon. Good thing Nancy is skilled in underwater alligator fighting and scaling castle walls. (laughs) (laughs) We know she is at both. Yep. Um, We've seen it before. (laughs) Excellent semicolon. And Karen, thank you for narrating that punctuation choice. Yes. We always say that we reward creative use of punctuation in the one-sentence plot. And here's a perfect example. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would have accepted a semicolon. I would have accepted an M dash. Either one. <laughs> Kelly, without further ado, it is time for today's super fast plot, which I have written, and it is it's it's your turn. It's your turn to read it. Never been so excited in my life. Have you prepared? Nope. Great. That's my favorite. Also, I have a little bit of an eye infection right now, so hopefully oh, I can no. read it. But I, I, I'm, I'm feeling confident. Okay. Stop me if I say the wrong words. I won't, and I support you. <laughs> Thank you. Carson asks Nancy to help him with a new mystery. A missionary couple, the Bowens, have just returned to the United States. They are trying to locate their missing granddaughter, Joni, who disappeared 14 years ago and is owed a large inheritance from her other grandmother, Mrs. Horton, who raised Joni after they left. Nancy, Bess, and George agree to go to Deep River, where Joni went missing, to try to solve the mystery. Just before departing, Nancy receives a moonstone in the mail with mysterious lettering, informing her that she will need the moonstone to provide her luck. Deep River is a pretty but strange little town. Emphasis on strange. There's a random castle with a full-on moat and a drawbridge on the outskirts that everyone says is haunted. The Clue crew meets all kinds of interesting characters that start to unravel the mystery. They learn that, before her death, Mrs. Horton had become a total recluse and no one in town saw her for months. She also closed out all of her banking accounts. No one ever saw baby Joni, and this all happened to coincide with Mrs. Horton taking up two new servants that had recently arrived in town. Mr. Wheeler, the attorney that was working on her estate, says he has some information that may be valuable, but just before he can get them to this information, he is very seriously injured in a boating accident. Fortunately, he mutters, Peter Judd. So we go to meet Peter Judd. We get some minor information about approximately how old Joni should be and what she looked like. The people who rescue Mr. Wheeler and get him to the hospital, Amy and Art, also put us on the trail of a young woman named Jodine who lives in town 
and Nancy begins to suspect this is the real missing baby Joni, based on her adoption status and age. A bunch of hijinks happen in the castle, where an arrest is made of a guy who's hiding out there and sending signals to other gang members. From there, we learn that there is a ring of couples posing as servants who are going around Deep River taking over old women's houses. Mrs. Horton was the first victim of this gang, and baby Joni had been dispensed with to an adoption agency so that no one could claim the inheritance. Nancy catches two of these scoundrels in the act, holding another woman hostage and forcing her to sign checks. The police round them all up, and Nancy follows a clue to the castle cellar where she digs up all the stolen loot in a full register of the gang member names. Jodine, it turns out, is in fact missing baby Joni. She is reunited with her missionary grandparents, gets most of her inheritance back, and offers to pay Nancy. Nancy, surprising no one, refuses payment. The end. That was so good. You didn't even... The... There are, there are no edits. That was the goal. You did that in one take. As the editor, that Ex- is always the goal. Exquisite. Exquisitely done. I will say that for a really fun book, it sounds really boring. Like Does listening, it? like the summary of it, I'm like, yawn. Really? Oh, then I did a I did a bad job. Then I should have. No, 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 no. It's it's. I'm sorry. That was not meant to be a slam. I don't. It's it's nothing to do. Like. Like, actually, your writing made it sound better than it probably would have just, like, if you read the back cover flap. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my feelings. So, I'm just kidding. So I'm sorry. totally <laughs> kidding. Man, I'm I totally... really put my foot right in my mouth. But This is why um... I don't work in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're amazing, and I love I, you. I love you, too. Um. Did you have some general thoughts and musings you wanted to share this week? Oh, girl, I did. This book is the mother of all Nancy Drew boating incidents. <laughs> Truly. We had like a thousand <laughs> boating incidents and I've missed them and I absolutely loved it. I loved this book. We had a castle. We had old ladies being held hostage like in our favorite Nancy Drew book, which our episode is called Night Night Pudding. Um <laughs> We had a town gossip that is spilling literal and figurative tea at every turn. True. I just, this book, this one really did it for me, Kelly, I gotta say. Oh my gosh, I love to hear that because Karen, me too. Yes. I loved it. I loved it. Like, I actually like this one straight from the beginning. Chapter one, in love. Um, (laughs) I actually like like the mystery in this one. I, I didn't. I couldn't quite figure out what what it was at first. Like it, it wasn't super obvious. Um, we this mysterious castle with this like suddenly filling up moat and this mysterious drawbridge is cool. Um, we have a drop in from the boyfriends. Uh, we have multiple boat accidents and <sighs> potentially my favorite part, Karen. We had an arrest of the full Clue crew. Oh, good shout! That is. A thing that has never happened before. Yeah. <laughs> they all loved go to it. jail? They all go to jail. We'll get into it. But yeah, loved it. Ideal Nancy Drew book, in my humble opinion. Couldn't concur more. Would you like to get us kicked off with your some favorite parts? Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about real world River Heights. I love it when you do RWRH. Yes. <laughs> there are several things that fall into this category. First and foremost, did you agree or disagree that Bess and George have 
so much tension in this book. Oh my gosh, yes. Like it's a constant, like there's full on beef there. I I don't think we've ever seen this before. I mean, they Uh -uh. always are kind of like teasing with each other. But in this book, they are on each other's last nerve constantly. Uh Uh-huh. Just constantly poking each other's ire. Like uh, they just seemed very frustrated with each other to the point that Nancy even comments on it and is like, yo, you two need to get along or move along. Like I, I, I got work to do here and we can't keep like, we, we just, we just can't keep going forward like this. Um, okay. I'm glad that wasn't just me. I'm like, there's a strong storm of brewing with Bess and George in this book. There, there was. And I kind of liked it because, you know, George is usually dishing it out, but Bess usually doesn't return the, I'm mixing a lot of metaphors, but like Bess doesn't usually return the volleys. And in this, she was, which led to, you know, some conflict. And I was kind of there for it. Full same. Uh, Second point on Bess. Bess and Alan sitting in a tree. (laughs) K-I-S-S. So Bess, not the other two, Bess Uh gets a suitor in this book, Uh which I loved. This cute dude named Alan is like, that is the girl for me. And he pursues her. Yeah. He pursues her in a way that I loved. Me and too. um She is she describes him as, and I quote, an absolute dream boy. Love it. So yeah. she had Bess has a little fling on this trip. And per usual in these books, the Emerson football team, aka Ned, Bert and Dave. Bert? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. They show up on this mystery. Fortunately, they show up the day after Bess's new paramour, Alan, has <laughs> left his vacation. And she says, mm, well, that's for the best. It's always best to avoid complications. And I'm like, Bess. Bess is playing the country. I love it. I just really appreciate that because, and I, I know you will bring this up later and we bring it up often in our ratings, but like the fat shaming of Bess is... Mm-hmm to the detriment of all of these books and I so appreciated Uh that like Bess shown in this book just constantly and I was like that is what we are here for so so it's interesting because like I I I was my when this happened my initial reaction was he's going to be part of the crime ring and he's getting her out of the way and then when that didn't materialize, I, like, had to sit back and actually go, like, what, like who broke you? You know what I mean? Like, why would you just assume that? I do. Um, and one thing I will say, as much as I really hate the amount of commenting on specifically Bess's appearance, but, you know, all of the generally women in these books that are getting commented on, it doesn't seem tied to her character or her value or her confidence or her like desirability in any way. Amen. It's, which I can still hate the fact that they're constantly commenting on her weight and telling her to go on a diet, but it's not, it doesn't seem at least to be because otherwise nobody will ever want you. Yeah. And so I guess I can like snatch a little victory from the jaws of defeat on that one. Oh, that was beautifully stated. 
I don't know that it was, but I hope you understand what I try- was trying to say. No, so. I do understand what you're trying to say. And, like, I almost, like, hesitated to bring it up because I'm like, I don't want the victory to be, like, she's successful now or seen because right. she was chosen by a man. I just like that um, because that is that is not the thing. I like that she, as a character in these books, had a lot of three-dimensional personality and like stuck up for herself and yep. was like I'm here and she she didn't feel like a a tag-along character in no these. she wasn't just a foil to George yeah like George is strong and brave and athletic and Bess is scared and not you know like yep. she had her whole other thing going on so yeah agreed um we also get a little bit of George backstory not yes. like in an amazing way but Oh, but I loved it. Do you want to talk about this? Because I thought it was. <laughs> no, you go. We're still in. We're still in the real world. Well, so someone comments to George that she has a boy's name, and we actually see George get a little insecure about that, which is interesting because George is fairly unflappable, and it's just mm-hmm. like I come barreling into every situation, and nobody can hurt my feelings. And um, someone comments on the fact for the millionth time that she has a boy's name and. She actually says, like, that's on my parents. Like, they were convinced they were going to have a boy. They only picked out the name George. So when I was born, I got the name George. And that's who I am mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I felt like 40 books in, we're just getting some I interesting know. backstory that I'm like, I'm shocked we didn't bring this up earlier. <laughs> right. I mean, it's and it's so specific na- naming a main character George. The fact that it wasn't literally in the first book where she was introduced as a character is surprising now, particularly given that we're 40 books in. Yeah. I mean, I know she wasn't introduced in book one, but she's been around for like 30 at least. So, yeah. Fascinating. The last thing I jotted down, this is maybe not real world. I still can't say it after all of these real world river heights. Um, it may be more the lexicon of Nancy Drew, which we used to do, but um, this term friendship pusher came up. Yes, I wrote that I down too. Loved. Yeah. Um, so they meet Art and Amy, and they say, Oh, we have this friend named Jodine. You think that maybe she's baby Joni, you know? Nancy thinks that. We think that as the reader. And Nancy is like, I got to go meet this girl and see if she is the crux of this mystery. How do I do this in a not weird way? Um, mm-hmm. And so they're going over to her house. She's not there the first time they go over. They want to come back and call on her to meet her. And Nancy's like, we can't go back too soon. We don't want to seem like a friendship pusher. And I just <laughs> loved that term because I think that's so accurate, especially as uh-huh. an adult that's trying to meet new friends. You're like, I don't want to seem too thirsty, but I really think I finally found I found one. <laughs> yes, I've been yes. looking for you and I think I finally found you. <laughs> yeah. It's I no I think you're exactly right I think it's the equivalent of not trying to be too thirsty yeah okay that concludes real world river heights what would you like to talk about as your favorite next part um, of this book so I I'm actually gonna skip to I I've got a list of just some random things that I just loved and would like to go down that quick list let's do it fantastic so at one point. The Clue crew realizes there's somebody following them, and George decides she's going to tail this guy. Oh, yeah. So she, so she tails 
one of who we eventually find out is one of these like part of the criminal gang she tails him and she disappears and so she's been gone for like a while and nancy and bess are searching like high they're searching low they cannot find her bess is having a full-on panic attack and even nancy is getting a little flapped by all of it and like they're panicking that she's been kidnapped which i will say is a completely valid concern given that the last time George trailed somebody back in uh, Golden Dragon, she absolutely got kidnapped. So Correct. I will say that the conclusion of this hunt for George is that they find George casually eating a sandwich in a diner. <laughs> with her tailee nowhere in sight. He's gone. She couldn't follow him anymore. Like he went into a house or something or got in a car with a woman. That's what it was. So she was like... Well, I can't run as fast as that car, but I'm going to go ahead and get a sandwich rather than checking back in with my people. So that was hilarious for me. I had, <laughs> I forgot about that, and I'm so glad you wrote that down. Because they show up, they come tearing into this diner, and they're, and they're like, George, they're like sweating, they're crying, they're like... <laughs> We have like almost called in the Marines and George just yes. like got a mouthful of tuna salad and she's like, hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> it's exactly right. Like, oh, sorry. Would, would, was there an action item for me? My bad. <laughs> um, next. So there is an illustration in this book. I will say all of the illustrations are chef's kiss. But this one in particular is of George. So Bess is off on her tennis date with the hunky hunky dude, whatever his name is. Alan. Alan. Like in the Barbie movie. I was going to say, like in the Barbie movie. I was thinking the exact same thing. That's who I was picturing. Um, so George and Nancy go to investigate this castle for the first time. And unfortunately, their plan had been to just walk through the moat. But yeah. someone has filled the moat in in the 24 hours since they've arrived in town. And so they go, that's fine. We brought our swimsuits. We'll just swim the moat. And I'm like, Ew. But also, the illustration of them swimming across the moat is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life because. <laughs> I would honestly like put this as a print on the wall. In like, my room, I know. It's so good. <laughs> They're swimming across the moat with their purses like held up out of the water. Oh my God. <laughs> well, in, in the book, so it says funny. that they brought. So to be fair, in the the narration of the book, it says that they brought towels with them, which is smart. Smart. But and it says they put them in water, quote unquote waterproof bags. That is not what the illustration is. They are no, like they've got handbags, full on handbags with yeah. like a strap and like the golden hasp across the top that mm -hmm. like would snap shut. It is the best. It was so funny. It is the best illustration I'm so, we've like, had. I'm actually, like, I have tears coming out of my eyes. I Yes. I, to your point, I would hang that in my home immediately. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Nancy loses yet another convertible in this book. She does eventually find it um, in, in a cave by the castle. Yeah. But, like a hobbit hole. Um, exactly. Um, I'm... And I will say, I'm not entirely sure I blame her on this, but she's extremely cavalier about the theft. That's true. And, you know, I, I have a regret here. Oh. Like and in I, your life or about this book? About this podcast. And it's, oh. I would, oh. 
No, no, it's not. It's not that. It's okay. Just oh, bear with I'm me. So, I'm so sorry. This falls into the category of you don't know what you don't know. Mm. I really Which got till it's gone. I re- I really regret that we didn't start a like totaled convertible tally. <laughs> you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Or like a a convertible incident tally at the mm-hmm. very beginning. Like we had the boyfriend bracket. We did. We've been clocking twins and orphans and boat incidents Mm -hmm. pretty solidly since the beginning Mm -hmm. but like had i known how many Mm -hmm. convertible issues we were gonna have i would have Mm -hmm. started a tally much earlier on and i I fear it's too late now but yeah i mean i i gotta be honest i'm not gonna reread 40 of these things to tally up convertible issues but you're not wrong i mean i will say i think i just based on memory alone i think this convertible that she just had stolen from her I think it was number four. Oh, that you're that, that has been okay. completely replaced. Now that's not like there have been, I mean, nigh on hundreds, Karen, of you know incidents and you know issues that have sent the car into the shop for various things and you know near misses of trees falling into the path and things. Yep, but like, yep. I think this is actually car number four that gets stolen, and. Like, I guess if I had had four full car replacements at this point in my driving career, I probably would be pretty chill about it, too, I guess. Um, Fair point. Yeah, I my note says, I guess I've decided that a, a group of Corvettes is a cascade. So <laughs> once you've had a cascade of Corvettes stolen, wrecked and bombed, etc., it just starts to lose its hold on you. So um, makes sense. Next, the entire Clue crew, as I mentioned before, gets arrested in a near boat accident slash runaway boat rescue. I'm so um, glad that you brought this yeah. up because I failed to note this in my super fast plot. So please tell us everything. Well, in your defense, it really didn't matter in the course of the plot at all. It was just something that happened. So you're in the clear. But it was a hilarious thing that happened, in my opinion. Um, so this is the second boating issue. Of, of the trip. The the boyfriends are in from camp. They've flown in, you know, on their Delta miles. And <laughs> um, to help the gals out with this mystery, they're very ineffective, I will say. Um, and Ned has this bright idea of like, let's go rent a boat and take a nighttime boat ride, which, and Nancy's like, oh, I know right where to go for the 24 hour boat rental. I was like, I, okay. I mean, you don't even have Google. How would you possibly know that? But okay. So they go down, they rent a boat, they get out on the water, they're doing their thing. And all of a sudden, like the speedboat is charging at them. It's trying to hit them. The guy bails out. um, So, you know, right before this potential crash and Ned is able to avoid the collision But then, of course, like our goody two-shoes clue crew is much more concerned with the fact that there is like a rogue speedboat out on the water that could potentially hurt someone than with pretty much anything else. So they chase this, this, you know, driverless speedboat down and George and Dave jump into it and wrangle it back. Well, just about that time, you know, the Moonstone River boat police pull up and go like, (laughs) halt, we believe you've stolen that boat. And what normally would work here, which is what they try, which is just tell the truth, does not work 
the cops are like likely story that's just what boat thieves would say and Which, yes and i'm fine i'm glad someone yeah. finally challenged them like same they were correct and they arrest them so. all <laughs> they they haul them all into jail and they're getting ready to all get like thrown in the slammer nancy again is like no but really we didn't do it and you know me i'm the girl that got her corvette stolen that you've been looking for and they're like yeah we know who you are that doesn't just because you had a car stolen doesn't mean you couldn't have stolen a boat and i was like good thinking there captain um but where it goes off the rails for justice is when nancy says did i not mention that my father is carson drew of the river heights carson drews and the captain winks at her and goes, case dismissed. I wish you could see how much I'm rolling my eyes right now. <laughs> it's a lot for the record. <laughs> I will call this hashtag Nancy privilege. Yeah. 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 Major so eye roll. Let them all go. Yeah. So I liked that. I mean, I hated it, but I liked it. Um, um i think that oh i last thing i loved that nancy has a past connection to one of the criminal rings. she does so we find out that the person who sent her the moonstone which like honestly makes no sense but i'll talk about that later too um was a previous i think it was a housekeeper of her aunt eloise yes and this housekeeper Nancy obviously knew her, but then she got married and left Aunt Eloise's employee. And she hasn't been, like, seen or heard from since because she's off with her husband. Well, the husband is one of the ringleaders of this criminal ring. And and uh, what what was the woman's name? I can't think of her name. It was Clara something? Claire. Yeah. Claire. So, yeah. Claire, she, she, um... She doesn't want to be involved. She's really hoping Nancy, like, busts this thing wide open and she wants to get out of this, you know involuntary life of crime she's been thrown into but i did like that that this was like there was a past connection there i thought Mm -hmm. that was very interesting yes and nancy recognized her immediately she's like claire no why are you here also nancy didn't take it easy on her Mm -mm. i thought nancy was gonna say it's okay like this woman Mm -mm. immediately kind of falls to pieces and is like this has been a lot and i'm so ashamed and nancy's I don't know. I thought Nancy would be a little chiller with her than she was and say, understand how this happens. I've seen it in 39 previous novels. Um, (laughs) We're going to get you through this. She was like, well, time to go down to the station and tell the cops what you know. I'm going to sit here with you and make sure you don't try to escape. I thought she was going to call Aunt Eloise or call her father to try to get um representation for claire oh i see that would have made a lot of sense that would have been the nancy thing to do it would have but nope she just threw her to the wolves those those uh you know deep river moonstone river police police wolves yeah i would i i didn't love that play i think i would have fought for had a little more i mean a little more this woman has brought you countless breakfast in bed of avocado toast nancy have a little compassion amen Holler at that. This con- this concludes my uh, my current updates. Your turn. Okay, I have two last favorite things. Just two? Yeah, just two. Oh, okay. I can make them meaty, though, if you want. I can talk Ooh, about I... it for a long time. <laughs> I'm going to be snappy. So Nancy, as soon as they get to Deep River, 
where they're sleuthing, Mm -hmm. realizes that the guy who's been tailing her has already kind of gone around and said, I think this Nancy Drew girl is going to show up and ask you questions and don't trust her. She's no good, basically. And Nancy's like, well, that's not going to help because I have to go ply everyone for information. So she recalls in her mind that we're going to say in high school. Yeah, it's got to be in high school. She was in a play Mm -hmm. in which she (laughs) played a character named Irene Innsbruck. Mm -hmm. And for some reason specifically, she's like, I'll just be Irene Innsbruck. And she spins around in a circle Pitches her voice up an octave, apparently, <laughs> as they say in the book. And she just dons this character for the whole trip there. Like, her mannerisms and her voice. Um, and, like, a couple of times when she's doing this, and she's like, I'm Irene Innsbruck, and I'm just here to visit. <laughs> like, Bess starts laughing so hard. And also, so did I. I thought that was incredible. It's definitely a choice. Yeah. As an actor. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was a str- she committed. <laughs> yeah. To the bit. Uh, part, part of me also loved this because I was like, once again, Nancy has this like out of town reputation mm-hmm. that I find hilarious. I like, agree. Nancy doesn't even have a W9. <laughs> Nobody knows who she is. Convince me otherwise. Well, she was, she did get really famous after the play she was in in the last book, but. She did, but that was for her, for her acting ability. You're right. You're right. Okay. My other favorite thing is that the place that we go to, to get all of this information, where Nancy originally dons the character of Irene Innsbruck is this tea shop. It's like a tea shop, but also a restaurant. And it's called The Brass Kettle. I want to go to this place so bad. It sounds amazing. I want to own this place. I want to own this place. It sounds awesome. So the Brass Kettle um, is right downtown. I think they eat 90% of their meals at this place on this trip. Absolutely. I would say it is the gossip hub of the town because there is a woman named Mrs. Hemstead who I – I said in my notes, she's like an NPC in a video game because every time you walk in the front door of the brass kettle, she's just sitting there in her rocking chair oh in the God. same place. I can picture it so perfectly. She never moves. And she's got like a little exclamation mark over uh-huh. her head and you, you just click, click on her. her a little. Yep. And she's like, let me tell you the, the day's news type of thing. Um, and so they go back. Karen, every that's day. funny. And it and That's it, exactly what it is. It works every time. They're like, Hey, give us some give us some tea. And she's like, Can do. Well, <laughs> she actually that's not true. She like resists at first. She's like, No, I'm not a gossip. And then they're like, Well, I heard something juicy down the street. You want me to trade uh-huh. it? And she's like, Yeah, tell me everything you know. Here's everything uh-huh. I know. Um I was obsessed with Mrs. Hempstead. She she also is like pictured wearing this long black Victorian gown that like comes all the way up to her chin and she's just very kind of stern but man does she love to trade in the town's intrigues <laughs> she does and uh, Karen it's like it was such a fun device that I don't know that we've seen before of of getting so much info through not gossip like we've gotten info through gossip before but like from the gossip. Yes. Yes. And that was super fun. And like the setting they put her in was great. Like I I want to own this tea shop. 
Any other favorite parts or do you want to, it would have been awesome if. I will just say I loved this boating accident with Mr. Wheeler. Oh, yes. As did I. And, and like, we can talk about this real fast, but like, for some reason, he's just losing his mind driving this boat. And even well, though we should back up, explain who Mr. Wheeler is, because I don't think I did a good lawyer. job. No, I think you did. He's he's the lawyer that represented baby Joni's grandmother. Yes. Um. And so Nancy goes to him when she gets into town and is like, uh, we think maybe something went awry with this whole bequeathing situation. What do you know? <laughs> and he goes, nothing. And then later, they're at the, they're, later that same day, they're at a party and Mr. Wheeler's like, come with me. I've got somebody I need you to meet. And they just leave this party after dark, well after dark, get into a stranger's boat, which I'm like... Ladies, have we learned nothing about safety practices here? No, and, and I thought I was sure he was a bad guy at this point too. I was like, me too. they're toast. Me too. I absolutely thought this was, and I thought he was trying to like get them out of the, like th- throw them out of the boat with the crazy driving. Um, turns out, no, he's just a bad driver, and also has a bit of a lead foot, and he runs this boat into the shore essentially, and. He is, like, rendered extremely unconscious. Um, He does grievous injury to himself in this accident. Nancy and George, uninjured. Um, Nancy, they, they get him out of the boat into the water. Nancy does, like, a full Baywatch rescue on him. <laughs> um, she then utilizes her still working, I'll mention flashlight, to shoot an SOS message into the night sky for help. And it just so happens they are swiftly rescued by Amy and Art, who are doctors taking a nighttime canoe down the river that just happens, like, that just happened to, while rescuing Nancy and Co., mention, oh, did we happen to mention that we have an adopted friend named Judy? Like, a lot comes together on the river that night. Yeah. Oh, not for Mr. Wheeler. (laughs) I mean, Mr. Wheeler has to go down hard for this connection to be made. But, like, yeah, Amy and Art, thank God they were there. So, (laughs) so they take Mr. Wheeler to the hospital. The next day, Nancy goes to check on him. (laughs) Do you want to talk about what happens when she gets there? Yeah, this is honestly my favorite part of the entire book. So, he's essentially in a coma like he he cannot move he cannot sit like he's just in and out of consciousness like he is deeply unwell from this boating situation and nancy is talking to the nurse and she's like god it's just like really too bad because i I think we were about to crack this case he got us in this boat to take us to meet someone who had crucial information and i guess now i'll just never know who it is and the nurse goes (gasps) You know what is so funny? You should mention that. <laughs> he has been nonverbal since we got him here, except for this one brief moment when he rolled over in bed and went, Peter Judd, <laughs> and clearly utters the name of, the first and last name of a man 
Uh-huh. The man that he needs Nancy Drew to go see. Uh-huh. Like, if I was on my deathbed, I would be so over this entire case, and I would be like, "Good luck, water, or yeah, here's my four hundred one k pass." I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know. But he, he goes, P- Peter Judd, and Nancy's oh like, "Thank you so much," and then immediately bails because let's be clear, she's not there for Mr. Wheeler. She's here for clues. Uh, I, she's that, just mining for clues. The fact that he uttered Peter Judd's name to move <laughs> forward book number 40 of the Na- this Nancy Drew series was so clutch, and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> was it Fetch? Uh, we're trying to bring Fetch back. <laughs> <laughs> Quit trying to make Fetch happen. So I last thing about this that I'll say that I just couldn't, I can't disassociate Mr. Wheeler, does he even have a first name? I think I his first name is Mr. I don't think, yeah, I think it's just MR period. Mr. Attorney Wheeler. Yeah. He gets full on napped from the hospital he by does. two people in like doctor and nurse disguises, which I had this like weird combination vision in my mind of the fugitive where he sneaks into the like sneaks into z- to his own hospital and like you know grabs a doctor's coat and you know all of that stuff combined with the scene from 9 to 5 where they kidnap their boss out of the hospital <laughs> yes oh my god also fun fact i only realized this today so i was reading the ebook of this mm-hmm. there is an illustration of this moment in this book no, and there's it, not really, it, and it is not on the page where this happens. It is on page is like three of the book, as an addendum to the introduction. So no, you're a liar. I swear to you, and it is. It looks like it it's too. like a nurse ratchet type of like <sighs> thing. Nancy's at the counter of this hospital, looking frightened, like inquiring from a nurse you can see Bess and George in the background and there are police interviewing nurses in the background there's like a tiled floor like a diner floor and for some reason they put this at the very beginning of the book before it even starts as part of the here's what this book is going to be about section oh my gosh you're right Karen I didn't even see it I bet I thought you maybe had not seen it and I was so excited to tell you this I love the commingling of the police and the there's like a doctor and several nurses in the background mm-hmm. and like it's just it looks like chaos ratchet yeah it looks like ratchet is it what does. it looks like yep oh my gosh thank you so much for pointing that out to me you've made everything so much better you know what that is my number one goal in life is to make things Aww. better for well, you thanks Karen and for oh, just for me and yeah. for and for all and for all <laughs> Okay. Should we should we zoom forward? It's time for it would have been awesome if. Awesome. Or as you as you put it in the script, I W H B A I. Um okay, I've got two brief ones. Okay. Do you have one? I have one. Yes, you go first. Okay. It would have been awesome if the moonstone that Nancy gets sent in the mail in the very beginning was actually necessary to solve at least part of the mystery. Big plus one. Yeah. So, like, it wasn't. It was sent just as this, like, you're so smart, Nancy. This will point you in the right direction kind of thing, which it wouldn't have. Um, So, in my mind, the moonstone is, like, kind of big and, like, kind of an odd shape. Um. And it actually becomes a key that's needed to open up 
the trap door in the castle that the treasure box full of sto- stolen securities and everything is hidden in. Mm-hmm. So, like, if they didn't have that, they wouldn't have been able to get that that thing open. Um, I also would have loved it, kind of like as an aside, if if Aunt Eloise's housekeeper had been someone we had met before, like, you know, 20 books ago. If she had, like, you know, if we had met her a couple of times through the yeah. 40 books. Yep. Um, like, it, you know, similarly, like, there was that one really funny, like, niece of Hannah's that showed up in the cat book. Oh, yeah. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, it, it, like, call, like a callback to somebody like that, that we, we've met at least once before. Um, number two, it would have been awesome if Nancy and the Clue crew had to spend the night in jail before Carson ultimately <laughs> was able to get them out. And Nancy picks up a clue from another incarcerated person while she's on the inside. That makes a lot of sense. And it would also be very funny. And I would like it an would illustration. It would be super funny. Yes. Correct. Because Bess would be like... A basket a case. A basket case. George would be angry and Nancy would be picking the lock. George would be asking for more access to the yard. <laughs> and they would be like, ma'am, this is just a local county jail not prison calm down please um so yeah love it like like picture this if nancy had sat down in her little overnight jail cell and like we hear from across the hall like the boys are in their jail cell and ned's like nancy are you okay i miss you and nancy's like don't worry about me ned you should go on meet somebody who brings you joy and then (laughs) And then Ned says, is there anybody over there with you? And she goes, no, just me and George and Bess. And he goes, there's one dude over here. His name's Peter Judd. And then Nancy's like, Peter Judd? I think that's who we were going to see the other night. And that's how they get the the intel. I love it. Thank you. Okay, what do you got? I thought it would have been awesome if Mr. Wheeler, this Mm -hmm. attorney that was working Of the boat accidents, Mr. Wheeler. Yes. Mm -hmm. I kind of, as I mentioned before, I thought he was a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of cool that he wasn't because maybe that's maybe this is too obvious, but he was so perfectly poised to be involved in this. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of wanted there to be a world in which, like, he having access to all of these people who are like, I'm going to die, take care of my estate. He could have been distributing that information. He could have been finding these couples to pose as servants and orchestrating this kind of master plan across the United States to, like, thief all of these estates and mm. i don't know maybe he has like blackmail on these couples and he's forcing them into a life of crime mm-hmm. we've seen that before i don't know i just thought there could have been something a little more interesting about the the gang origin story that we didn't quite touch on yeah and it would it would kind of it would have been cool if we found out that he was like the 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 masked ringleader of this gang like they don't know who he is but he knows who they are and he's the one setting up the whole like he's the one setting up the circumstances yes so when he knows that carson is on to him and is investigating all of this with Joni, he needs to distance himself from it so he's actually the one that sends the moonstone to nancy to incriminate the gang there knowing that they'll never be able to incriminate him but it will give them a it will give carson a scapegoat kelly have we flown too close to the sun did we just write the perfect nancy maybe maybe (laughs) 
We might we might be bordering on Agatha Christie at this point. <laughs> so Karen, um, now that we have rewritten this book in its entirety, do you have anything to share about Nancy's never-ending resume? I do. And some of these things are less tangible than they typically are. Mm, an ethereal resume. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> Just feeling a little emotionally charged by this book. But okay, so the first two are a little off the beaten path, but... Very interesting to me. So we mentioned that Bess and George were bickering like crazy, this whole book. Mm -hmm. There is static in the air. Nancy says, in the, it's like this omniscient narrator that's in Nancy's head, though it's a third person story. Wow. Um, she's an unbiased third party when it comes to her relationship with Bess and George. Like she mm -hmm. doesn't get in the middle of their beef. And I quote, Nancy long ago had made it a rule to never side with either of the cousins when they were disagreeing. Oh my gosh, she did say that, didn't she? I thought that was so interesting because A, I'd mm -hmm. never seen them fight this much and B, I like that she's like, you're both my friends and I'm not going to get in the middle of this. And mm -hmm. also I think it's a self-preservation tactic. Like she's like, I got Absolute. work to do. Like Absolutely. Beef, if you will, but like I got a mystery to solve. So Sounds yeah, hard. we don't get a whole lot of like nancy's feelings on things mm -mm, mm -mm. so that's what it is that's what it is yes yeah. this is not often a feelings oriented series no it's fact oriented um we also have this very unique observational moment where we see how other people view nancy and it is so exactly what you and i talk about on this podcast all of the time mm, it is what so there is a quote from the book that i will read Bess and George were always interested in observing Nancy's sleuthing procedures. They often wondered whether it was her charm, her straightforward manner, or her business-like approach that unfailingly gained her entrance to offices of officials. Now, mm -hmm. with a little explanation on her part, the girls were ushered into the president's office. Mm-hmm. We talk about this great question all the time, and I yeah. it's it's the first moment that there's been a zoom out of the camera to say, why did this happen? How did mm -hmm. this happen? It always just happens, and mm -hmm. now we're questioning like, what is it about this mm -hmm. enigma Nancy Drew where people just unflaggingly trust her? It's you're you're completely right. I I I noticed that moment too, and. I, I highlighted it on my Kindle and was like, yes, what what is it exactly? I will also say I really appreciated, and I, I'm curious if this was in the original text or part of the revision, but I appreciated that none of it technically has to do with her appearance because mm -hmm. all of these books talk about how beautiful Nancy is. You know, her mm -hmm. titian hair and she's slim and she's athletic and she's the most beautiful thing anyone has ever seen. And we do say one of the three things is, quote unquote, her charm, but none mm -hmm. of this has to do with her appearance. Correct. Um, and I appreciated that. Um, my last two are very tangible and tactical. She mm. is a drawbridge mechanic. Yes, yeah, she sure is. She figures out not only how to work the drawbridge change, ch change, she works <laughs> the drawbridge chains, she fixes the drawbridge when one of the chains gets off of the cog, and then she figures out how to tether the drawbridge to the ground with a bunch of other mm -hmm. devices so that the trap can't make it automatically roll up when their car drives off of it. And I was like, damn. Smart. 
That's awesome. Yeah, also she totally aced rope climbing in gym class because the way she fixes the drawbridge is she climbs a vine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And let me tell you, people who are good at that stuff make it look so easy. There was one rope climbing session in CrossFit and I was like, I'm going to do this. I've I've seen people do this a million times. And (laughs) no, it's... that's so not difficult. that's not how it went for Mm-mm. me at all <laughs> no i am i am meant to be ground-based <laughs> likewise that's why i hate airplanes <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> i am a flightless bird uh my last note is she is a hashtag influencer so <laughs> mm, i mean yes but how so in this book uh the emerson college football team shows up the boys and like they do they're sleuthing around the cellar of this castle and ned goes like all proud of himself nancy look what i have and he pulls a flashlight out of his pocket oh my gosh you're right and he's like i never used to do this but if i've learned one thing from you nancy drew it's always carry a flashlight and i'm like that's so funny because earlier in this book she needed one and didn't have it but ned mm-hmm. does in this moment and that is its own divine flavor of a win right there <laughs> exactly right that is the cumin of flavor <laughs> <laughs> the cumin of wins is what I should have said. I like that. Do you have any things that will keep you up at night about this book? What open questions do you have? Karen, I do. I have one thing that I have not been able to let go of. So <laughs> why did we not, we just really glossed over this whole fact that Jolene's parents, jo, grandparents, Joni's, Joni's, jo, Jolene's, Jodine's grandparents <laughs> had been kidnapped on a mission trip and held hostage for 14 years. I am so glad you brought this up because I basically gaslit myself and I was like, I must have read that wrong no. because it never comes up again. And I'm like, nope. didn't it say? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Sure did. Thank you. Also, they're getting ready to go back. They get <laughs> like released from captivity. They come back and they're like, has anybody seen Jody? everybody's like no and they're like get Carson Drew on the horn he can solve this Carson's like get my teenage daughter on the horn she's got this Nancy handles it and they're like we're so glad to meet you Jody we're heading back overseas on another mission trip I'm like no seems a little Stockholm-y doesn't it it's <laughs> stockholm it yeah. seems very stockholm and also like y'all need to retire now yeah Call it a day. A lot. You know? That's a lot. Spend some time with your brand new granddaughter. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, that's what's... I have more questions about that. I I would have given my eye teeth to know more about this 14 years in (laughs) captivity. (laughs) Sequel. (laughs) Yeah, right? Moonstone (laughs) 2. Well, I want to know, and maybe I missed this, but did Mr. Wheeler ever recover from the boating incident? I mean, I think we found out at one point that he was, like, out of danger, but I don't think he was at any more picnics. <laughs> I just, he was, like, in a coma. Mm-hmm. Then he got kidnapped, thrown in a basement of a castle. A basement of a castle. That's probably not a dungeon. There we go. That, okay. I like basement better. A castle basement. And then I'm <laughs> like, just that's like, just where they keep their moving boxes. This man is in severe physical duress and i'm like yeah did we we're just not gonna close the loop on that i didn't love that yeah Yeah. i mean they got him back i also didn't love that like there's this random castle and usually we have 
a, a people talker in each of these books. It's like, let me tell you the history of this town or like, let me tell you to Hawaii. Yeah. Let me spend eight pages teaching you about <laughs> football or how to make stained glass windows or something. And for some reason, we just don't do that with a castle in the middle of like Indiana. And I don't know how we're not talking about this castle. And I. <sighs> it's a really uh, fair point. Thank you. I, you, you did want, like, you know, Mr. Wheeler's assistant to be like, well, while you're waiting for Mr. Wheeler to be available, have you managed to see our Midwestern Indiana castle? And they, the, I, I, like, actually went back in the book to see if I was just not reading closely enough, which is insane because I'm not writing a thesis statement on this. But <laughs> the, the listeners want to know. So I went back, and, and all they say is some people not from America came here and built this and someone in Europe is paying the taxes on it. And that's all we know. And I'm like, how is this not tied to the mystery? I, it just, Thank you. It felt odd. It felt odd. We have further questions. I don't love a loose thread. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's all. I love you. I love you too. So this week, we should rate this book. I would love to. As we, as we always do. <laughs> as per usual. And I have decided that we are rating Nancy Drew and the Moonstone Castle Mystery out of a 12 possible river police. Not to be confused with a river horse. This is the river <laughs> police now, Kelly. Perfect. How I'm thrilled about this. How do you rate this book? I rate it 11 out of 12 river police. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um... No notes. There was minus one for the inf insane amount of fat shaming because I'm just generally over that and it's crazy. But I loved everything else. Oh my gosh! Ask me what I, I rated it. Ask what, me I, what did you rate it? I also rated it eleven out of twelve. River <gasps> police. Hallelujah! It's finally happened, everybody. I I removed one river police as well, but uh, mine was. For... <laughs> I removed one river police. <laughs> I, I, mine was because Nancy finally, finally. They like cash money was just gonna get handed to her for her work. True. Like, baby Joni, Jolene, Judy, Jodine was like, <laughs> I got my inheritance and I want to give a significant portion of it to you for reuniting with me with my family. Yeah. My life. And I'm like, F yes. And Nancy refuses it in exchange for she's like, No, I don't need that. But I do have a question. I found this one clue where you wrote like wolf stone on something i can't even remember what it said yeah and it was I, some wolf's eye wolf stone something like that wolf's yeah. eye yes wolf's eye and i never closed the loop on this clue and i just want to know what that meant and they don't even know so the answer was just found by like googling it basically they look it up in the encyclopedia and they're like oh it's just another word for moonstone and i was like this makes me so upset <laughs> this was a bad gamble nancy yes like so 11 out of 12 tied incredible amazing a highly rated nancy drew from kelly yeah. and karen the best i i love when we like things well where do we go from here so what are we reading next we are in the the final throes of this episode so next time we're doing our first super sleuth of the season where we will be reading and discussing the first book in the hardy boys series the tower treasure Oh, dad. Did our dad just faint? Is he so excited? He, he is so excited. But like, he is not alone. I mean, this, I'll just remind you that this book was selected by our Patreons and this was the overwhelming win in the vote. So he's not, he's in good company. I'm super stoked. I, 
we've probably talked about this early in the podcast, but you were the Nancy Drew stan when we were growing up, and I felt like I couldn't just be like, you know, the tag along. So I mm-hmm. I read Hardy Boys instead, and I remember nothing about them, and I'm very excited. I didn't know that. I don't think I've read any of them. This I is did. brand new for me. Oh, I loved them. I didn't want you to think I was a copier, so I read Hardy Boys Aww. instead. Well, everyone, if you are enjoying this podcast, please rate, review. You can subscribe if you want. Tell a friend. And you can find us on Instagram where we do most things, and our handle is at It's a Clue Podcast. And if you're so inclined, please consider becoming a Helen Corning friend on Patreon and becoming a bestie of the show. We'll give you a shout out when you become a patron. Um, You'll get some bonus content for new episodes, beginning with our season three episodes. And you get to vote to select our super sleuths, just like next episode. And Kelly, please, please remember what we learned today in Nancy Drew and the Moonstone Castle mystery. What did we learn, Karen? If you're investigating a mystery in a castle, swimming the moat, is a-okay but never under any circumstances try to jump a closing drawbridge in a convertible and if you don't trust me you can look at the illustrations in the book (laughs) that is sound advice (laughs) and with that happy sleuthing it's a clue is hosted by kelly biscopink and karen farmer our logo is designed by courtney kyle you can find her on social media at I am Courtney Kyle. The It's a Clue theme song was written and recorded by Danny W. You can find her on Facebook at Danny W Music. Audio engineering is graciously done by our friend Mark Goodlow. It-